Well, good morning. <clears throat> Excuse my raspy voice. Uh, it's my annual uh, raspy voice, I guess. Uh, it is great to, to see you this morning, to be with you. Um, I'm one of the, Tom Crocker, one of the ministers here at ICC on staff, and uh, it is always a privilege to, to have this opportunity to share, and, and really this, in this season to have the opportunity to be a part of kind of the December rotation that has gone on and to share in, in that as well. Although I, I must admit that I'm beginning to see a little bit of a pattern uh, develop. I, I'm, I'm not sure what it means yet, but it, it could mean something as far as my, my role here, uh, especially at this time of year, because if you, some of you will remember last year, I preached this Sunday, uh, this, you know, this time when it was Christmas and then anticipating New Year's. And so, uh, and here I am again. So I, I got to thinking about that. Um, you know, there's an image that came to mind for me about that. <laughs> I guess every staff needs a father Tom, a time or whatever. I don't know. A father Tom time. I'm not real sure what to say there. So yeah, there, there you go. I can embrace that. I, I'm good with that. And it's, it's a privilege to, to reflect on that. There is another image that I really prefer and enjoy, and it's this image here. Isn't that a neat image? You know, it's, it's, it's about taking a moment. Just taking a moment and reflect. Christmas happened Wednesday for us, and now we move on. But before we move on too quickly, let's check in. Let's get side by side to what transition is taking place, and let's consider, let's reflect. And that's what I want this to be today as we continue and finalize our, our series of um, Generous Christmas that we just take this time to reflect and then embrace moving forward. So I'm going to read um, again and invite you to follow along either in, in the word you have or, or on the screen. Um, what we started with in Luke, um, just, just a portion of that, and I'm going to begin with Luke, Luke 1, verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and 
bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. It will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As we've already noted in this series, within seconds, Mary's mundane day became an astonishing one, astonishing one that would change the course of history. Against all human understanding and conventional wisdom, she trusted the angel's words to be true. See, Mary knew the promise. And, and the promise that had been from the beginning and all through the time of the Israelite people and the prophets. And Mitchell last Sunday did such an incredible job of tracing that. And even though in Malachi, the prophets said there would be a messenger that will announce the coming of the one to go to the temple. And he was speaking of John the Baptist, who was now with Mary Elizabeth's yet-to-be-born son. And this one would usher in the Messiah, Jesus. whom Mary would give birth. Mary knew the promise. She was aware of the promise, even though after that prophecy of Malachi, there was 400 years of silence. But she still knew the promise. And when the promise was spoken to her, she believed. And so today I want us to just reflect and embrace the reality that God is an eternally faithful promise keeper. He has generously fulfilled every vow he has ever made and will continue to do so until the end of time. In Christ, Jesus is faithful to fulfill what he has spoken. God is an eternally faithful promise keeper. Paul said it in 
2 Corinthians 1.20. He said, uh, for every one of God's promises is yes in him. Yes in him. Every one of God's promises is yes in him. Paul and I decided to do something this uh, Christmas. You pray for Paula. She's at home sick. But um, we uh, decided to celebrate the Advent season. Has, has anyone ever done that at a church or as a family celebrated the four weeks of Advent? Okay. Yeah. We have been exposed to that at, at a couple of churches, but we never actually did that as a, as a family. So we decided we, decided we, would, we would do that. So Paula built a wreath, and uh, with this wreath, the, the, the four candles representing the four weeks of anticipation to the coming of Christ, and then the center candle, I was going to bring the whole wreath, but it kept falling apart, so anyway... <laughs> The center candle being Jesus. And so we would light each Sunday the appropriate week of the candle, starting with the first one, of course, on being hope. It was really meaningful. In fact, our small group meets with, we meet on Sunday night, and a couple of Sundays we were able to incorporate their being a part of that and being a part of the lighting of the candle. It, it really meant a lot. Now, we have a, we have a tradition at our, with our family that we, um, we come together on Christmas morning and um, we, we have Christmas Day breakfast. And uh, I think I've talked about that a little bit. And we, 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 de- we decided this Christmas Day we would huddle around the wreath as a family. So that's about 20 of us. I think I have picture here yeah I didn't know part of them was going to be here so I hope this picture doesn't embarrass any of them but anyway we um, we huddled around around that wreath and we lit the candles to move to the uh, celebration of of that day of Christ now letting that seven-year-old handle a lighted match was an act of faith for sure but dad was behind him and the grandsons would light the candles and the dads would read the scripture. It was very, very special. So before we move on, before we leave this season of celebrating generous Christmas, I want to use the elements of the Advent to just look upon what the reality of his generous promises are. And just lift them out briefly that we might celebrate the generous promise in the coming of Jesus. And the first one that I mentioned was hope. That is, that is the first candle. It is that first element that we've talked about in Isaiah 9.2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them has light shone. In the midst of darkness, there's confusion, uncertainty, fear, and anxiety. And Isaiah reveals this generous promise of hope 
the coming of the light, the hope that was realized at the birth of Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said that about himself. For he says in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of love, of light, the light of life, light of love too. You know, when somebody who is a promise keeper makes a promise, you have confidence in that person. Probably none of us have done that really well, but we know what it's like when somebody makes a promise who hasn't got a good track record of keeping promises. Makes us uncertain, makes us hesitant, might even make us a little cynical. But when the generous, faithful, eternal promise keeper makes a promise, you can bank on it. And he has promised in the fulfillment of Jesus' coming that we can have hope. There is hope. And whatever darkness might come upon us, in whatever midst of confusion we might be in, whatever uncertainty we are facing, we can have confidence that in Christ Jesus there is always hope. Always hope. So that candle shines brightly. It shines brightly. There's the element of peace as well. That's the next candle. In Isaiah 9, 6, we see God's generous promise as if it's an an action already completed. This, This is a prophecy hundreds of years before Christ comes. And here's Isaiah, anointed by God, inspired by God and the Spirit, saying, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now we can quickly equate the presence of peace maybe with stillness or quiet. Maybe stillness from global conflict. Or maybe stillness from personal conflict and chaos. We might hear the answer to the question given to the beauty queen, what do you want most? And the answer is world peace. Or how often have you said, especially if you're the mom of a toddler or you have boisterous roommates, I wish I could just get some Peace and quiet. Yeah. We kind of throw that around. But the peace experienced in God's generous promise is not that of ceasing from striving or a stillness or even a quiet. Because in the beginning there was peace. But that peace was equated and known with nearness to God. 
That was the peace in the garden, nearness to God. And as a result of sin, we found ourselves and find ourselves separated from God. And the only answer from that separation, the only answer from that distance that we cannot reach on our own is the generous promise of Christ Jesus. Paul says it very clearly in Ephesians 2, 12 through 14. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near, been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. You see, the birth of Christ fulfills God's promise of nearness. And God is not a distant, far away being. He's a right here God. His promise of nearness means that our relationship with God is is not us looking for God. It's not even us pressing into God. For you see, we don't press into God. God in Christ has pressed into us. That's where the peace comes from. Is an accomplished nearness because of his son Jesus. And so we have peace with God, but because we have peace with God, God also provides peace in God for living day to day. Again, though, that may not always be a stillness or quiet. Actually, that peace that we experience from day to day in God is more of an ultimate victory through Christ, no matter the circumstance. It's knowing God is victorious and we can stand secure. This is what Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's the source of peace in God from day to day. Paul elaborates on this and gets real practical about it. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, he says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And there it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With generous, God's generous promise in Christ, we have the guarantee, we have the reality of peace with God and peace in God. Then there's joy. That was the third candle we lit. There's joy. So we have hope, we have peace, the realities of those because of the promise fulfillment, the fulfillment of the promise of Christ. And we have joy. That was announced 
very, very boldly and very uh, spectacularly, if you would, by the, by the angels to the shepherds as they were watching their flocks. And in Luke 2, 10 through 11, we see the picture unfold. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Pastor Eric Geiger had shared in a post recently that someone had done a Google search of Christmas makes me sad. There were 347 million results with stories and articles. And that is a lot of sadness at a time when we're singing joy to the world. Truth is, Christmas seems to magnify pain by those who are hurting. It just does. It it brings to bear some loss, perhaps, some struggle, some childhood memory lost or childhood memory of hurt. Maybe some struggle or challenge. And Christmas just seems to slap us in the face when we know we're overcome with things that seem impossible to deal with. To be transparent, I, I find myself battling that. During the Christmas Eve, I, I, will, I will find myself in a place all of a sudden and this sweep of sadness kind of comes in. And sometimes I have no idea where that comes from. It could be a smell or it could be a noise. It, it could be a movie. I, I don't know. This, it triggers something. And I have to recognize that. I realize, and, and I love Christmas. And I love the way we gather as a family about that. And we have a great time. You ought to see Paula. I wish she was here. I, I would still say this about her. She's always on a mission. She, she, she goes to the stores and grabs things. They all wind up in the stockings that we unpack on Christmas morning. I love, I love watching that. She's such a great gift. But sometimes that brings a little sadness to me because I, I feel like I'm, I'm not sure I can deliver. But Jesus with the promise of Christmas is the inexhaustible, everlasting joy that when we receive him, he absorbs all that sadness. He overcomes that sadness because he brings great joy. If we receive that, then we can experience it because the, pro, the, the, the shepherds 
didn't have great joy that they achieved. It was joy they received. And that's, that's what I have to remind myself of. That's what I would remind us all. That the joy that we desire and yearn for isn't something we achieve. It is something that is given and we receive from Jesus. And then the fourth candle and the fourth element that we celebrated as a reality of the fulfillment of God's promise in Christ is the declaration and incredible picture of God's unconditional love. And we started with this verse, if you'll remember, when, um, in the first uh, teaching, the first Sunday that Barrett taught, John three sixteen through 17. Most of us can say it by heart, but I'm not going to trust myself right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nothing we can do is able to compare to the outrageous grace of God. The promise of forgiveness means no one is outside of God's grace, mercy, and love. Jesus did not come to the world with a list to check, a test to grade, or scores to settle. Paul says, Jesus wiped away all the handwriting that is against us. He canceled the record. The, the debt that we owed, he did away with. He set it aside. And he said he did that by nailing it to the cross. That was his love for us. And no matter how many times our name has landed on the naughty list, Christ still comes and he still saves us in his death. That's his love for us. And if we ever want to question that, if we are in the midst of something that is challenging us and we ask the question, does God love me? All we got to do is just go to the cross. That's how much he loves us. That is unmistakable in his love for us. So that really brings us to the culmination and the center of what the anticipation of Christmas is and the reality of Christmas as we move forward. <clears throat> and that is that the fulfillment of God's generous, generous promise to mankind is Jesus Christ. He is lifted up. Jesus is the one moving forward that we embrace. Paul wraps it up really well in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. For he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, 
crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, a child. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what does this mean moving forward as we stand side by side just for a moment and then move forward in the days to come? In Christ, it means we have found favor with God. It's the same announcement Mary got from the shepherd. Because of Christ, we have found favor with God. We are the adopted ones. My sister, six years younger than me, is adopted. I may have shared this before. I, I, when, I, when we were younger, I used to try to use that as a way to get at her like she wasn't real family. You know, that's what older brothers do. They try to leverage anything with younger sisters just to get at them. I did that pretty well until my dad one day reminded me of something. Or didn't remind me, he just declared it. He said, you know, you can, you can disinherit somebody that's born to you. You can't disinherit somebody that's adopted. That got my attention. I don't know if I was any nicer to my sister, but it did get my attention. It ought to get our attention. You see, God's not going anywhere. The promise is that Christ is always with us. And we always belong to him when we receive him. Jesus himself, the very last words that he said on earth, The very last words he said on earth was, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is the promise not only about Christ, but from Christ. For God in Christ is the faithful, generous promise keeper. God will never leave us. He is fulfilling his generous promise to go with us. Preparing the way for our next step even when we can't see it. John Piper has said that God is always doing 10,000 things in our lives. We might be aware of three of them. God never leaves us. And just as the angel said to Mary, in Christ we have found favor with God. Now listen. Listen to how God wants to live in and through you. That's our faithful promise keeper who generously fulfills every vow he's ever made and will continue to do so to the end of time. And in Christ, he is faithful to fulfill all that he has spoken. Isn't he good? Well, I want you to hear from someone who can personalize this with her story. And uh, Joanna Wheeler is going to come and share. And um, it's interesting, she, as I talked with her, she was uh, telling me that as she was hearing the testimonies earlier in the series, she said, you know, Lord, I, I would be willing to do that. And then this, just this past week, without even any knowledge of that, the Lord lays her on Robbie's heart. So Joanna's going to come and share with us 
what it means for God to be the generous promise keeper. So come on up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, my name's Joanna, and um, I have been in ICC for since, since 2013. Yeah, so I'm quite old in here. So, um, so um, the, the reason, just, just to, for the sake of time, since the timer is really, really reminding me. Um, yeah, so um, I came here when I was just, I came here for school because I'm originally from China. So, um, so for the, when we start this generosity series, I just, um, just listen to the sermon, and I just realized how it's another time to remind me of how generous God was towards me um, and towards just everybody that is in my life. So I just feel like if, and I was in a season of life that I am, I was, I'm a little bit still, I uh, am uh, a little distant from God. Um, so I just really want to, I told God that, God, if you want me to, if you want to use me, I'm willing to be used so I can come back to you. So just, um, do you want me to just go ahead and just, okay. So just get ready, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> get your lunch packed. Uh, so, uh, so I came here in 2013. I was, uh, I'm from China, as I told you, uh, made in China as well. So <laughs> uh, um, I came here, so fast forward. So just last week, we were at church. We were at, I was at my, uh, my husband's family's church. Um, so um, the worship team was doing a Christmas carol on the stage. So they were just singing all those Christmas songs. And personally, I told my husband a long time ago uh, that Christmas doesn't, I really doesn't feel any Christmassy at all because in China we don't celebrate Christmas and I was just a baby Christian in China so this is my fourth or third Christmas uh, and this year is extremely very different because in the past it was more oh I'm getting more gifts I'm going to get my gifts and open gifts but uh, this year really when they were singing the Christmas carol on the stage I realized uh, Christmas is about God uh, of course, I know everybody knows Christmas about God, but the heart-to-heart -heart feeling is different. Um, so I started to cry when they were just singing the songs, even just those Joy to the World, those very simple songs that you hear on the radio station during Christmas season. And I just don't know why I was crying. Well, I know why I was crying. Uh, that reminded me of... Um, 2012, 2012, when I was, when I first became a Christian, when I was in China. Um, sorry, I should have prepared my tissue. Anyway, so when I, um, in 2012, I was just a college student in China. And I, I skipped a lot of details, but I became a Christian. And um, I was a baby Christian, and at that time, during Christmas time, we have some foreign teachers who are missionary. Well, they are missionaries, yes. So they are not in China anymore, so they are safe. So um, they gather all the students just saying, this is 
Christmas time and in Christmas time. During Christmas time, we sing Christmas songs. Uh, we do Christmas carol, carol. So they gathered all the students who are interested to do this cultural experience. And so we all gathered together and we sang songs all over campus. Um, and I remember we were just singing all these very simple songs that I have never sang, sang before. Uh, the only no song I know was um, the ding, ding, dong, ding, ding, dong, that one. I don't even know what the name is. <laughs> so they taught me all these songs, the... Um, like Joy to the World and all the other ones. I still don't know the names, but I know the lyrics. Um, so we were just singing, and all the students on campus who are not Christians was thinking, oh, these people are so strange. Oh, so fun. They are all singing together on this day. What's this deal? And then, um, anyway, so a lot of people get joined together. Just all the people know, but it doesn't matter what you believe in, we all gather together singing Christmas songs together. And that was what was reminded me um, two day, last week on Christmas Day. Anyway, so that just, um, that just reminded me how God saved me, doesn't matter. Um, that just reminded me, it's like going full back to circle when, uh, anyway, I'm a little jumpy right now. Um, but anyway, I became a Christian when I was in China, and then I came here because uh, I got saved when I was in school, and all these missionaries went to China to teach English and also try to build a relationship with Chinese people, and, um, and I got to know them, and I got to know about the Bible, and I was um, really, God pushed me, and I was interested in the book, um, and, and then I became a Christian. And during that time, I was just like what you said, like um, when you first got adopted, that feeling is very different. So um, I became a Christian at that time. I was really desperate for God. And different from you guys here, because being a Christian in China is not, there's no, it's actually, it really am, you really are truly believing God that you decide to become Christian, not because your parents are Christian, that you want to be a Christian. So that was a big step for me. And, um, and so I was really de desperate for the truth. So I was reading the Bible a lot. I was uh, doing Bible study. I was in the word all the time. And also at that time, I have really good uh, soil. So they planted the seed and they gave me a lot of good soil. I was able to learn the, the just, I got growth a lot uh, for my Christian foundation. And at that time, I felt I was really thinking every step I'm doing, what, what God want me to do. So I prayed and I decided I want to come to America to study uh, speech pathology to help those children in China who have disabilities because this is a career that doesn't exist in China and a lot of children uh, in China with special needs are abandoned because they don't have any support or aborted. Um, so, so anyway, just um, so, but at that time I did not have any money and, um, but again, I was just really, and I got the opportunity, I was really involved with the Christ, uh, children orphans in China as well. So, um, yeah, I just really want to fast forward. I don't know, just for the time, so I skip a lot of details. Um, okay, I'm just going to take my time. So I got a chance, sorry, I, because I used to share my testimony and I talk, took me 20 minutes or t one hour, so I really want you to get out. And now it's getting, making it worse, so. 
So, um, yeah, so, um, so I decided I want to do this. I want to pursue this career. And uh, I got a chance to come here for uh, a visit to learn about the Bible. So I was in California, um, and I was able to see how children with special needs were treated differently compared to what uh, they were in China. Um, because I, when I saw kids with autism in China, they were just all locked up in the orphanage. And uh, I, I have never seen them on the street. And when I was in California, I saw this this, these children running on the playground with other typical children. So I was just thinking, why do children with autism in China has to be locked up and children with autism here can be playing outside with other children? And I also noticed uh, a lot of people who are taking care of those kids with special needs are highly trained. And in China, most people who cannot find a job will be taking care of children who cannot really do anything. I mean, not with special needs. So I just feel the difference. But at that time, again, this is a career that doesn't exist in China. And, um, and again, I, don't, I'm, I was old. I'm still old. But I don't have the time and the money to take risks. And so I really pray with all my friends and my Christian mentors. All those missionaries became my mentors, and they, they prayed with me. And I do feel every time when I see a child that's different, I, my heart does really, truly feel um, hurting or just, I don't know, just the feeling it's different. Um, so, so in, in 2012, I just, 2013, I decided I'm going to try and just do the speech pathology. I'm going to apply and just see. And then uh, in 2013, I got accepted by Universal Memphis, and which, uh, which is really strange because I don't even know what Memphis is and where Memphis is. Um, I don't watch NBA, so I don't know what Memphis Tiger is. I mean, Memphis Grizzly, so. But I came here. I mean, I got accepted. But the problem is I did not have money. And I didn't get a scholarship because um, I guess my GRE was not high enough. So uh, I was hesitant. I was really hesitant. But at that time, I was also working in an orphanage um, hosted by uh, a couple who were uh, from Florida. They sold everything and they moved to my hometown to take care of children with special needs. Um, and the mom, the, the wife, was actually a speech pathologist. So just every step when I decide I'm going to take this step, God, I'm going to do it, and he's reviewing every small thing one after another. Uh, not at the same time. Otherwise, I don't have to really trust him anymore because it's so obvious. But just one small step each time. So I got accepted by Memphis, and my boss was a speech pathologist, and still I didn't have enough uh, resources to go. And then um, some of my friends, my, including the orphanage, they, they know about my story, they, know, they heard my heart, and then they raised money for me to come. And then um, I got some money. The, the entire world, they were doing like ice cream sundae, raise, free fund, raise funds, or raise funding, any, fundraising. Anyway, um, and anyway, I, I got some money, but still not enough. And at that time, my parents, who are, not, who are still not Christians, heard about it. And they, I remember my dad was saying, are you sure you really want to study speech, whatever that is? Um, are you sure? What, do, what kind of people do you, will you be working with? I've never seen any people with special needs on the street. Will we be able to find a job? Uh, that's a lot of uh, risks. 
And, and so we were just, I was still not sure if I'm coming or not. And then one day, my dad told me, if you really, truly want to come, we will mortgage the house for you. So, um, so 2013, I came here uh, with all my money, came to go, went to Universal Memphis. So <laughs> I have nothing left. And, and before I arrived, before I take the airplane, uh, the school sent a person to contact me. So, uh, so the person, so the school is like the second grade has to contact the first grade just to welcome the person to get used to this place, I guess. I think every school has this. So it's called program partner. So they, this person who contacted me saying, hi, I'm this, I'm Kira Linkus. I mean, Kira, I forgot her maiden name, Crawley. I'm, um, I'm Kira, my name's Kira, uh, I'm in Memphis, I am, uh, the school assigned me to be your friend, and I really, uh, I really want to just, if you have any questions, you can let me know. Uh, and this is a very normal email for you guys, because uh, you guys, I assume all of you guys received that when you came here for your school. But for me, that's like, wow, somebody from America contacted me. And, uh, and at that time, well, I was still not sure if I'm going or not. Uh, because I really, this is a big deal for me. I, I can't just do that. Uh, I can't even afford a flight ticket at that point. So, um, so, and then I started to talk to her. I said, uh, I don't have a house. I don't have a car. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a church. Uh, can you help me find all that? And <laughs> since you said you are my program partner, school said you're going to help me. So, uh, and also I really need a job somewhere. So anyway, so, and she was very kind. She answered all my questions, even though we have a time difference. He, she was my online uh, chatting pal at that time. I was waiting for her email every day. And then, uh, as we get to know each other more, I asked, I stalked her on Facebook through, <laughs> through uh, VPN, because in China we can't get on Facebook. So I uh, went to, I went on Facebook. I was still, I was a stalker. I don't have Facebook anymore. So I stalked her and I browsed through her posts and I realized, I think she's a Christian. So, um, so I asked her one time, I said, are you a Christian? And she said, of course I'm a Christian. I am, of course I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? I think she was really surprised. Uh, so later, uh, yeah, that, that's when I started to ask her, do you go to a church? Can you help me find a church? And so she said, yeah, I have, a I have been going to a really cool church. It's called Island Community Church. And uh, once you come here, I can take you there to check it out. So... Skip fast forward a lot of details. Um, I came, I got, I got on the plane and I arrived at Memphis Airport. And and uh, so I arrived here. At that time, Carol was not available. She was out of town. So a friend of mine, who was another missionary uh, from Michigan, she drove all the way down, 13 hours of car drive, car drive to pick me up at Memphis Airport. And. <laughs> And um, she carried a whole, her whole trunk was full of um, pots, pans, and blankets and things she, she could, could gather at her church. So, um, so she helped me settle down, and then she moved back to, uh, to her hometown. 
And so anyway, I, don't, I didn't have a car. And I was just thinking, God, at all the time during that day, first I was so excited I'm in America. And then when the excitement fades off, I realized there's a real reality in front of me. Um, first of all, I don't have a car. And how do I go to a grocery store? And um, so I, and also the schoolwork was pretty difficult as well. I couldn't understand a lot of things the teacher was talking about because I have no medical background. So I remember so many times I was just crying to God in my one bedroom saying, God, why did you bring me here? Uh, I don't really want to be here. I miss my family and uh, I don't have anything. Um, so, and I can't even go anywhere. So, and then my friends, my friends, not just Kara, but my other friends said, Joanna, I heard you don't have a car. Do you want to go anywhere? Do you need to go to Kroger? I can, uh, I can take you there. So, so for two years, I didn't have a car and I still had a happy life. Uh, I have free rides to school every day and, uh, and free rides to Kroger and free grocery delivery. And um, better than click list. Uh, and, and then also, um, I have free tutors as well. My friends help me throughout the school year. And so I'm just really fast forwarding a lot of things. And also, for example, in two, after two years, I really need a car. And uh, I, again, I pray to God. And I, again, I still doesn't have money because I'm taking mortgage out, out of, from China. And the currency is $1 versus 7 yuan. So it's really expensive. Uh, so at that time, I realized I have to get a car. Otherwise, because my friends have to go somewhere else to do rotation. And, um, and I would be late for the clinic. So I asked God, God, you, so you, you said you're going to take care of me. You said you gave me a plan, uh, a plan to prosper me and not to harm me. So God, I really need a car right now. Uh, can you give me one? Um, um, this sounds funny, but because I'm skipping a lot of details, um, and I'll fill, fill out the detail after this example. So I said, God, I really need this. So I prayed, and then I have a sponsor at that time. So she knew about that. She said, I really want to help you, but I really don't want to do this out of my human action. I really want to pray to God to know what I want to do for you. And then she donated me $1,000. And but $1,000 is not enough. You may, not, you, can, you may just fix your fender bender with $1,000. So uh, that's not enough. But one day, I was at the Chinese fellowship. A person approached me and said, I heard you're looking for a car. I have, I have a car, and I really need to go to China. I have to move back to China. I want to get rid of my car. So do you want it? Uh, so he said, this, this car doesn't have AC, this car, but this is rideable. And so I said, sure, uh, because I was desperate. And how much do you charge? He said, uh, well, not too much, just 1000 How about that? And, and that's how I got my first car. And, and I still really miss my little white because even though she was only three years younger than me, and <laughs> she doesn't have an AC, but she still... She was rideable. She was reliable uh, for two years. And, and so that's just a small example. And I can give you a lot of examples how God graciously blessed me by, for example, um, I, 
first of all, the Kira thing is a miracle already for me. And uh, how my parents decided to mortgage their house. And we have a house to be mortgaged. That's a miracle. And also how I have those people who I have never heard of or never met raising money for me in their churches. And um, anyway, just all the miracles. I really want to skip to this part because uh, I have shared my testimony multiple times before. It's a little bit unfair to those people who don't don't know about me. But um, so it comes to this year, 2018. uh, Here I am. I have shared tons of testimonies and lead tons of small groups and just so confident in God. And God provided me so much stuff. And he gave me even a job when I graduated. I was so afraid that I cannot find a job because according to the law, I'll be deported if I cannot find a job. So uh, when everybody, when I was graduating, everybody was just trying to find a job. I was trying to stay um, because I cannot imagine not having a job and going back home and try to pay all the mortgage I have being on my shoulder, and also being laughed at because I, when my parents decided to mortgage their house for me to come here, we have so many people laughing at us, at my parents saying, you guys are dreaming too much. Uh, you are sending your daughter, you guys are dreamers, uh, the world's top dreamer by sending your daughter with no money to America to learn this something that has, nobody has heard of. And um, so, so I just have a lot of pressure at that time. And so the, the month of my graduation, I still did not have a job. I sent the application to everywhere. Everywhere, I think I sent 100 job applications everywhere around the globe, uh, around America, just wanting to find a job so I can stay. Uh, so, and eventually, three weeks before graduation, Lavana called me and said, I would love to have an interview with you. And then uh, three days later, I got the job. And... And then a week later, my mom and dad came for, to America to, to join my graduation. And, um, and I don't have to worry about not being able to, um, to, do, to pay them back or anything. Anyway, I just found a job at that time. Uh, so 2018, uh, sorry, skip to 2018. Um, here I am. Having a job, having a uh, rental house, having a car, and uh, basically, I feel like I have everything at that moment. And and I have enjoyed a lot of things, like eating donut for the first time, eating, um, having a smartphone for the first time. I feel like at that time, I I have everything I wanted, and I feel like, wow, God, you are truly God. You said you would provide everything for me, and as long as I trust you, and I trusted you, and you did provide everything for me. So it's like every day is a hallelujah for me. God truly loved me. I'm God's favorite child. And, <laughs> and then things start to, you know, life, life is not like that. And so uh, I got married, and I found a person I really, really do like. And so, uh, sorry, he's really embarrassed. Um, <laughs> So, um, so I feel like I have more and more become a little bit complacent, just to be very honest. I go to the same church every day, seeing the same people wearing the same clothes as I do, and I go to the people who are all professionals, and we are the same. And, yeah, I am not white. I'm a little bit different, uh, but uh, I, honestly, I feel I am complacent. And also, I ha- I've been walking with God for maybe 
since 2012, so a few years. And I remember when I was a baby Christian, I was so desperate, just like a baby wanting milk. I want to go to the church. I want to study Bible. Uh, one hour is not enough. Let's do two hours. And, and, and then two, a few years later here, sometimes I do watch, look at my clock and thinking, when does Barry want to can stop so I can go uh, to, to the crowd, beat the crowd and get the best seat. Uh, so... And so I realized sometimes I do get complacent. I don't know, just different, uh, just different. And then, uh, and then I have a, I had a child, and then my, um, and and then I feel like this is American life. I I don't have to worry about my citizenship, and I still not American. I don't have to worry about me being deported anymore. And uh, I feel like really I'm living the best life. And and then. I feel like I have been distancing from God as well. I, uh, I'm not as desperate as before for, for God. Uh, I'm just doing the routine. Let's go to church, let's eat food, and then let's uh, pray over meal, and then just do what Americans do. And I do care about those missionaries, but uh, just to be very honest, in, deep inside my heart, things have changed. Uh, and then... Uh, and also, God provided everything for me, so why do I have to worry? And I'm his favorite child already. And then in 2018, uh, my son was in the NICU, my first child. And as a first-time mom, I don't know, many of you guys are first-time moms. And I was so desperate. Um, and um, I was trying to find good things out of bad things. I was just thinking, whoa, I am a speech pathologist. I know how to feed the child. I know how to see those children in the NICU. I have seen those bad. That's not, that's not, no, no big deal. And uh, I'm pretty calm. I don't um, get scared very easily. I am not afraid of needles. And I have seen children having NG tube in their nose. Huh? Sorry, on. I just, uh, I just try really trying to uh, think of the best out of uh, worst. So he was in the NICU for a few years, uh, a few weeks. Sorry, not a few years. Thankfully, uh-huh. and and at that point, uh, I have been a little bit complacent and really not really involved at church as much. And and also at that time, I was really having some hard time during pregnancy. Just vomiting and all that. So I'm not, uh, anyway, so he was in NICU and, um, and, and I was exhausted. I did not have any sleep. And, and um, anyway, and I just, at that time, I really, first time, first timer, first time mom, first time child in the NICU, I didn't know what to do. And I know church, I remember Barrett um, went to the NICU and even prayed for us. Um, without us knowing it, because when I went out of NICU, I saw him wait in the waiting room praying, because people are not allowed to go inside the NICU. Um, anyway, but at that time, I was just so exhausted. I didn't know um, what to do, and um, I did. Anyway, so, um, and then my son, thankfully, he got discharged, no, not, no complications, um, no complication, and he's, he is home, and but at that time, I just started to feel like God doesn't like me anymore. Why is he doing that to me? And um, so, and again, I was exhausted. So I barely read my Bible. I just, if I can stay awake, uh, if I can do fun basic functional things, I'm already lucky enough. 
um, because even though he was discharged from NICU, he's still having some problem that's really hard to deal with um, because being, yeah, so anyway. Uh, and then a few months later, uh, my mom was diagnosed with guillain barre syndrome, and it's an autoimmune disease. It just my mom all of a sudden become paralyzed uh, from neck down completely, and and she was in China. So I was just thinking, what is the deal? Um, what, why is it happening to me? Uh, I thought I was your favorite child, and you gave me so much stuff. You gave me so many things, uh, not just stuff, but uh, you said you're going to prom uh, you have to, you are going to fulfill your vows, and, and I just can't see it at that time. And so, um, and my mom was in China. I was so far away. I have the child I have to take care of, and then here back home, uh, my mom is all by herself with my, my dad and suffering through this, this really rare disease that most doctors my mom seen in China has never heard of. And, um, and again, we, my parents, I'm from a family that's with really modest means. So my parents didn't have money to pay for the, uh, the fees, the IVIG, all that uh, expensive things. And anyway, so I started to raise money and and God provided some money for her. God provided all her, covered all her medical bills and um, for her to get treated. And um, she's doing rehab right now. And then, but at that time, things were just really hard. I was constantly checking the GoFundMe just to see who donated money for me to my mom and how much we raised and are we going to be able to cover her next uh, shot of IVIG. And, and then a few months later, not a few months, at the, almost at the same time, my father-in-law was diagnosed with colon cancer. And I was just like, you know, you have play with those toys that you, you there's a rat come out and you use a hammer, just hit it, and then another one hit it, and then another one, you hit it, try to hit the most so you can win. I feel like, wow, I was the, I barely just came out and then got a hammer, and then I barely came out, another hammer hit on my head. And, and then, um, and, and of course, just if anybody who has experienced even just one single, of that, single case of this, uh, I would say, um, difficult season. Um, anyway, and then just I started to really just questioning about God. Even just, this is ironic because four, two years ago, I was on the stage sharing about God's testimony, about how God is truly a God that cares about us in ICC. And then two years later, I am at home thinking about, God, are you really real? Why are you doing this to me? And, um, and, and at that time, I was just, again, if you are distant from God, um, your own, you can't, people can see it. Um, from outwardly, they can see you are not as friendly and you're, you are not as patient. And so I was just not very nice to everybody. I feel like I'm a hedgehog. Um, just whoever's around me, I'm going to stink you. And um, so, and, and also going to church. Well, do I need to go to church? I don't feel like it. Um, um, I can worship God at home, and God really, I know, I know, I have so many Bible stories, Bible, Bibles, so many versions of Bibles, I can read my books, and I can listen to podcasts, and um, so anyway, I was just, and I, again, yeah, I was just still trying to figure out how to be a mom, and 
And so I was distant from God for a while. And then the entire year went by. We have, um, it was really difficult for, for the Wheeler family. And um, yeah, I just, again, just like, a, like what I told you, uh, I forgot what the animal is called with uh, things. Anyway, so 2019, yeah, it's already 2019. Um, I started to really just think, God, uh, this doesn't feel right. Um, um, so I started to feel like, God, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm going to just try to find my way back to you, uh, even though I don't feel like it. So I started to pray, and, um, and then I started to seek help. And so um, I found, so God really graciously provided a friend who is a counselor, who also is a godly woman. So she said, I'm willing to uh, give you counsel for free. And I'm willing just to meet up, meet up with you and uh, just to talk about what you need to talk about. And, and I don't like to talk about feelings, um, but I still went. So I started to meet with her regularly. And, um, and uh, I really appreciate God providing this person because um, in front of her, I just told her everything I just told you. And she told me of just things I can try, uh, such as just try to, if you want to, you can ask. Just like, for example, this sharing the testimony thing is what she told me. I said I was really touched by what Barrett and Robbie said in the past. And I, I feel like the generosity, I ha- I'm touched by what the sermon said about generosity. I, I want to talk about it. And then she said, how about just offer that uh, to your pastor. And I was thinking, oh, I've been away from church, and I don't really know the people there anymore, and I don't feel like it. And um, she said, how about just offer it and then see? And I offered two weeks ago. And and then Robbie called me and said um, they need somebody to share. So that's one thing. I feel like God is drawing me back. And also another thing is uh, she told me to... Uh, start just to read and to talk to God. Things I already knew how to do. I just don't feel like I didn't feel like it. So, um, but sometimes really God provided somebody in your life that will push you. And so I started to do that again. And um, it's just a change of my, the inner being of mine. I started to realize, um, yeah, I was the rat that the the devil tried to hit, uh, and he hit me a few times, but uh, I am still uh, alive. And um, my child, who was in the NICU, he's all healthy and well, and um, he, he talks so much, and, and my mom had Guillain-Barre syndrome, but now she is okay. She is doing rehab, and she can walk around. And um, my father-in-law is cancer-free. So, um, and and God has grown my family together, too. Just looking back, uh, I am closer to my my parents. I'm closer to, I care about them as much, uh, more. And I also closer to my family-in-law. And I'm closer to my husband as well. I'm not just 
the girl that was fresh off the boat four years ago by myself. I have a family and I have a child that I love. And, and I realized God in the past, my story, maybe God giving me so many tangible things because that's the time when I need those tangible things. Um, and he is still a promise, me, promise keeper because he said in Jeremiah, he said, I will give you a plan, a plan to prosper you and to not to harm you, a plan in the future. Everybody knows that verse. Um, and he still kept his verse. And I remember when I was really struggling, um, I was just so angry at God. And then the other day, I read my Bible in John, John 9, verse uh, 3. It says, it's, it's neither this per person nor his parents has sinned. But this happens so that the work works of God may be displayed in him. So um, I was just thinking, yes, I'm still God's favorite child. Maybe one of the few favorite children. Um, you guys are all God's favorite child. Um, and God is still a promise keeper. He said, I'm going to take care of you. And God said, in Mark chapter 10, verse 30, he said, Whoever leaves fathers, mothers, children, and fields, and houses, and follow me, I'll give you a hundred times more. Stash with persecution. And in the future, eternal life. And a lot of times, we just forgot about the dash. We said, oh, you're going to give me a hundred times more. Fine, that's a great deal. I'm going to do it. Uh, of course, doing it is very difficult already. I'm saying taking the steps are already really difficult. Um, I, omit, I skip all the parts, how I take, took the start, step and um, applied for, to come here for school. I skip all the details just because of, I don't want you to stay here until 5 p.m. But um, I do have to acknowledge that me taking the step coming to America was a huge step. Um, and then... I believe in God's promise. He said, if you leave everything behind and follow me, I will bless you. And I listened. I took it. I did not think sick twice. And, uh, and he truly blessed me with all these tangible things I needed in 2013. When I needed a friend and when I needed a car, when I needed a house, when I needed a job, he gave me everything. Uh, despite how I doubted him at that time. And then in 2019, when he said, I'm going to give you a hundred times more, brothers, sisters, and children, and um, houses, and fields. That's, uh, and I look back, yes, he did give me all that. He gave me uh, my parents who are alive, and he gave me a cancer-free father-in-law. He gave me a child who is not in the NICU anymore, and, and he gave me a husband who really loves me, and I, he gave me a job that's so flexible that allows me to do a lot of things um, to, to take care of the house. Um, and, and I also received the most important thing is um, what you covered in the sermon, um, the hope and the peace that he has provided. Um, these things that are not tangible, but uh, things that truly make me realize, God, you are still pro a promise keeper. Um, even though in the hard time, sometimes I... I am really embarrassed by being doubtful at that time, but I am thankful. Um, and, and two days ago during Christmas time, when they started to sing that Christmas carol, I was just crying. And, um, 
And because when I just, when I realized, when I focus, this Christmas is about Jesus. It's not about how many gifts I get. Um, or even just, it's not about uh, I'm getting a family gather, get together with my family. It's really, this Christmas is about God. How God gave me my salvation. Uh, he, he found me when I was in China, not knowing him at all. And, and he still didn't let me go. He still took really, really good care of me. And, and he grew everybody together. And it's just a different season. At that time, um, I was by myself, and I, I needed some help. And right now, I, I'm a wife and a mom, and um, God is giving me a family and, and also a hope and, and also... Um, and also peace, yeah. To be honest, just these things are really hard to understand because they are so, in, you can't touch it and you can't feel it. When people say, oh, peace, joy, love, you don't really know what that means unless you really truly experience it. Um, so, yeah, and again, again, it's just so interesting that um, when I share, it's just how when I talked to Robbie over the phone, I said, this is what I was on my mind. And then today you share your, uh, service, sermon. Again, we did not uh, plan this together. So it just so aligned together as for what I was planning to share. That was already in my heart. So um, I just really am thankful that God, um, God placed this person in my life saying, how about just offer it to God and let God take care of it. And, and I offered. So, so I yeah, took you 30 or one hour here. So on. But, yeah, that's it. Perfect timing. <laughs> so good. Wow. God is our faithful, generous, eternal promise keeper. And just as the angel said to the shepherds, in Christ, we find favor. So listen, and I'm asking you, what is God saying to you? How is God leading you? How is God moving you? What do you need to do in response to his favor?